Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's me. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. Why am I whispering? Well, you see, it's bloody four in the morning, isn't it? And I'm recording this while my husband's asleep because I don't really have to whisper because I'm traveling. I'm in America, people. I'm in America and I'm bloody jet lagged. So I've been up for an hour, broke all the rules. Basically, you know, the whole thing, if you fly to America, allegedly, once you arrive, even though you're desperate to go to sleep because it's like midnight where you have come from, i.e. home, you've got to try and stay up. I'm not that person. So what I did is I got in, went straight for a nap. Uh, which I thought would be about an hour long. Turns out it was about four hours long. Anyway, I've completely messed up my sleeping, uh, which means I woke up at 3am. So having completed Instagram, I've literally looked at every picture available. Thank God for the explore page. I thought, what, <laughs> what better thing could I be doing with my time than having a chat with you lot? So hello and welcome to Homo Sapiens. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. It's lovely and sunny people. And I know you're not supposed to say that kind of thing, but it is. It's lovely and sunny. So I'm going to get my bod. When I say bod, I mean forearms out into the sunshine. Soak up some sun that we've really been needing. However, before I flew last week, wasn't wasn't, the weekend, Easter weekend, wasn't the weather just gorgeous? We've got a very cool episode today because it's Earth Day tomorrow. And someone I've admired for a long, long time is Patty Gonia, who is a drag queen, but they are an environmentalist and all round inspirational person, I would say. They do loads of stuff about kind of sustainability and how we can live better, but doing it through the filter of drag. And it's so interesting. So Patty is the drag name, you know, Patagonia, that's the drag queen. But then the person who does Patty is is Wynne Wiley. And Wynne is a incredible person who is kind of, I don't know, using drag to express his own femininity, one, but also using drag as the transgressive art form that it is to try and address sustainability and try and bring to attention how we can live more sustainably on this planet. He's really, really fascinating. He's doing incredible stuff. So it's it's such a lovely episode and such a lovely interview with Wynne, um, which is coming up. So we're kind of interview Wynne, but we're sort of talking about Patty as 
and but not as Patagonia. We're talking about drag. We're talking about how we can all live a bit more sustainably as we head to Earth Day and realize that uh, we can't all be driving around our gas guzzling machines, says the person who just took a plane. But do you know what? I did look it up on Google Maps and I can't walk. So, you know, we talk about nature. We talk about connecting with nature. We talk about how good that is for your soul to get out and connect with nature. And just what I love about Wynn. I'm getting going now here. You see, I'm waking up. I haven't even had a coffee yet because I just thought, you know, no need to make myself any more awake. Um, what I love about Wynn is he and Patty's message is that we can all do our bit to save the planet. And also we've got loads of thoughts from you all about what you feel about how you're able to help the environment and things because we did lots of surveys on Instagram. It's a bumper episode for you. Now, did you watch, did you watch, did you listen to last week's episode? We had the chat with Reverend G.D. McCauley about religion and queerness. Does God love LGBTQ plus people? Really fascinating reaction to that episode, actually, on Instagram particularly, but also in you guys writing in. Religion ignites something and ignites something in people and often around queerness as well you know, a really strong reaction. Some people really didn't like it. Some people have really strong feelings about what Christianity says about queerness. And then other people were saying they really liked the episode. So interesting. And uh, thank you all for all your messages. I'll actually read them. But before I get to those, don't forget, everybody, you can always contact us with your stories and feedback. It's hello at homosapienspodcast.com or get in touch with us on Instagram at homosapiens. And at... what's that? Oh, I think my husband's waking up now, you see. I can tell he's having a drink of water because I hear the psh of his fizzy water bottle. So he may just be having a sip and going back to sleep. He doesn't seem to get affected by the jet lag, although he didn't have the nap. So he's a bit more in sync. So far, Coast is clear. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? As always, leave us a review and be in, a ch- in with a chance of winning a T-shirt, good or bad. We will read them out. Also, just a little sidebar before I continue. I'm in Los Angeles. Did you know that America has Ikea, the shop? I didn't know that. There's an Ikea here. So obviously, I'm going to be hot-footing it down there. I love Ikea. But interesting, because everything in America is so big, I wonder if their things will feel small. What will a Billy bookcase look like in this country, I ask you? Only one way to find out. Um, That was it. I was going to read a message, wasn't I? I may be awake. The brain may not be. Robin got in touch. My dad worked for a church when I was growing up. And when I came out at 15, which was only five years ago, they decided it was a cause for an official top of the chain meeting to discuss whether my presence at the church and other LGBT people's presence would be permitted. This is fascinating. Some were very opposed. And in a moment of rage, my dad stood up and called the vicar a Pharisee, which means self-righteous hypocrite. Interesting. I never heard that word. And enough of the church sided with him for them to go on and have many LGBT inclusive meetings and events. I never attended as I'm not interested in religion much, but I've always been very proud of my dad for standing up for me when he didn't know what it would mean for him socially. That is so lovely. And I'm just thrilled to hear that. And what an amazing thing of your dad to do to just go, no, I'm going to stick up for this. This is what a wonderful message. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, our in Denom wrote on Instagram, it depends which God. Oh, and this is a response to the question, does God love LGBTQ plus people? It depends which God. Absolutely. The Abrahamic God of the Old Testament hates gays. The New Testament, Jesus, never once makes 
any comment about gays, but does eat with the sinners. Paul is an issue and does condemn, but he widely recognised to be out of step with the rest. Of course, all religions align themselves to God as if they speak for him. Jehovah's Witnesses say they speak for God and they hate gays. Catholics say gays are amongst us and are accepted. Normans say gays are imperfection. Protestants, that you can receive God's and spirit and change. However, in the end, the question must be asked, does it matter? If there is a God and he created all things, then why did he allow gay people? Is he prejudging them to die? Well, this is where I come unstuck from religion, you see. If so, then he is evil himself. If he puts evolution in process, then homosexuality is a natural statistical variation and he can't judge that. Thank you so much for that. And then Itty Witty got in touch. My higher power absolutely loves LGBTQ plus people as well as all humanity. HP is not so trivial as to care, higher power, that means HP, as to care who I have sex with, but they do care how kind I am to others. My HP believes in my inner goodness and no one needed to die for my sins. I am perfectly imperfect, glorious human. My loving care, universal, benevolent, higher power does not need to rely on a book riddled with hatred, judgment and fear. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. I know the Bible well and no religious tradition stemming from that book can possibly be LGBTQ plus friendly. Fascinating. Now that is a message from David who commented on the G-Day episode. David was sort of saying, you know, being raised a Jehovah's Witness that this episode would be too triggering for him to listen to. This is all in the Instagram Instagram comments. So it's, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn because he said it publicly. And I, you know, I said, oh, you know, absolutely don't listen to this. Don't listen to this episode because I understand it. Religion is, it's really, it can be tough for people. So uh, absolutely, if it's triggering, do not listen. Anyway, he then actually got in touch and said he did listen and it wasn't too bad an experience. It still stands by what he thinks, but you know, I'm thrilled that you were able to get through and listen. Uh, and, you know, like you say, you ha- it hasn't changed your mind in any way, David, but um thrilled that you got to listen because you were saying in the comments that you've listened to every episode and this would be the first one you would miss. And I think that, I don't know, it's been a really fascinating episode because when we first ever spoke about Homo sapiens, someone said to me, oh, why don't you get one of those... um homophobic people on (laughs) like I can't remember who it was it was like a homophobic priest or something and I said why would we do that I said I feel like I can get that everywhere else in the world but homo sapiens was meant to be this place where people could just have a safe hug of a space where they could be them and they would be accepted for them no matter what and then interestingly with this episode what I was sort of hoping to I don't have the answers, but hoping to perhaps throw open to discussion is, you know, so many people, as the survey we did proved, feel excluded by religion. And I and I wonder if perhaps we could hear another side of that and hear from someone like G-Day and open up and learn, for me, this is for me, to learn maybe more about where religion stands on this stuff in detail and nuance and it's just been it's just been a really fascinating week reading all your comments and reading all your feelings on the pro and on the con all about it but i hope that it was something that felt like it was uh it didn't feel hostile but perhaps mind expanding but maybe that's because i'm not a religious person nor have i suffered heavily at the hands in the way that david is saying for example so really fascinating and thank you so much for taking the time to write in it's just been 
Wonderful. So now it's time to go and have a listen to our chat with Patagonia, aka Win Wiley, who is the environmentalist who's doing amazing things through drag. I love Win, love Patty. Um, I'm going to see if the husband is actually woken up at all. I wonder what the protocol is. Don't you always find if you're in a relationship with someone and your tea drinkers, guilty your honour, if you're first up, you have to take the tea in. So I wonder if this means if he's awake, I should take tea, even though it's basically in the middle of the night. Or do we wait till the usual 7, 6.30? Sometimes at 7.30. I wonder what I'll do. No stirring now. I think he's gone back to sleep. There's these cookies you can get, which are in the cupboard. And I really want to eat them because you're obviously starving when you're jet lagged because I think all your clock's off. I can't stop thinking about them, so I might go and eat them. Um, here's our lovely chat with Patty. You're going to love it. Here you go. Where in the world are you? I'm in Bend, Oregon. This is where I live with my two cats. And Oh, uh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really lovely here. It's kind of a really beautiful spot between the mountains and the high desert. And it's such a privilege to live here. It's so beautiful. And is there a big queer community of any description? There is. Yeah, it's uh, it is small, but mighty, but growing. It's really beautiful. It's a really fertile soil. Um, It's a queer community that really is doing all they can to really bring queer people outside. And yeah, it's the queer family I never had. So I'm really, really, really loving living here. Okay, so I'm embarrassed to say, is it near where you grew up? No, no, no. So I'm from Nebraska. So I'm from like the middle of cornfield america like as rural as you can get uh definitely not the vibe that i have here in bend now but where you grew up was quite liberal though wasn't it wasn't it like a weird liberal bubble even though nebraska Mm -hmm. is not necessarily renowned for being a liberal place is that right yeah yeah i'm so i'm from lincoln which is the capital city uh which Mm -hmm. is a really uh, special place but in the middle of a super red state so um, it's interesting. There's a lot of similarities here in Oregon. Uh, the state is still very red, uh, but very blue because of Bend and Portland. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that remind me of of my life growing up here. But I feel like here I have a, a little bit bigger of a queer family. And do people make lots of jokes about the fact that it's called Bend? <laughs> Absolutely. We are gay Good. after all. We have to make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can always trust the gays to make uh-huh. the most basic jokes about gayness. Yes. So let's talk about Patty for a sec, because what an inspiring, beautiful, life-giving creation Patty is. Tell me a bit about how Patty started. Yeah, that's a good question. I never really know where to begin uh, to ask that question because I feel like it's like Patty's been in my blood since I was like a four-year-old child, just like being Mm -hmm. the queer kid in like my backyard in Nebraska. But Patty was officially born up on the Continental Divide Trail um, on a backpacking trip with some friends in Colorado. And there's quite a backstory behind it, but I... Yeah, I think of my life very much as like life before Patty and life after Patty. BP and AP. Literally. (laughs) I feel like Patty (laughs) was just, yeah, was my chance to like truly come out of the closet in a way. You know, I've been living life as an out gay male for 10 years, but Patty was really me uh, starting to leave a lot of the toxicity that I had um, in myself behind and really embrace yeah, my queerness and like my true self and get back to the roots of who I am. And it very much still feels like a healing journey. And it feels like 
almost like a second chance at life in a way. Uh, wow. I think that there's like a drag queen inside of everybody. And mm. I think that uh, drag is just a really beautiful way to just express yourself and to learn about yourself. And it's also just fucking fun. So it's just been mm. so much fun. And like the people that I've met since beginning Patty have changed my life. So, yeah. And tell me about this concept, which we hear more and more about, which fascinates me about how you were an out gay man, but Mm -hmm. you still had toxicity and Patty allowed you to release that. Describe for me that toxicity, because I think a lot of people can relate. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if we're all honest to ourselves as queer people, uh, you know, we come out of the closet uh, to truly be ourselves and almost find ourselves deeper in the closet um, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, coming out uh, meant that I had to prove to everyone that I was worthy of their conditional love. Uh, like I could come out of the closet and I was told, hey, Wynn, we accept you and we love you, but only if you never paint your nails, only if mm-hmm. you don't wear bright colors, only if you never decide to transition, only if you never do drag. And Mm. so, uh, you know, I I took that and I was like, okay, I can do that because I've chameleoned my whole entire life. And I think that's something that nature is showing me all the time is that for me as a queer person, I can chameleon like crazy. Uh, The first form of drag I ever learned was straight passing, Uh, was literally to (laughs) learn to thrive in situations of environments that weren't supportive of me. And so I'm really good at it. But what I've learned is that it always came at a cost. It came at the cost mm. of me being able to be my true self. And so, you know, in college, I wanted to be the the gay kid that proved everyone wrong, that was so straight, no one would ever know because somehow then I was more worthy of their love. It's fucked up. So I think for yeah. me, uh, it, it's, yeah, it, I think about it on kind of a, on a deeper level, like behind the scenes of Patty is just like my journey of like finding people who truly like say I love you and mean it, you know, uh, who, mm-hmm. and really like my journey with Patty is to like make that space for other queer people. You know, like I think that mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of judgment in this world and a lot of toxicity in the queer community. And oftentimes I think that it's also perpetuated just in, in cities and in nightclubs and around a lot of just like toxic culture. And I'm not bagging on that culture. If that works for people, that works for people. But I needed to run into the forest and find my other queer fairies. And I'm very grateful that I found them. And yeah, I think that there's a lot of release of toxicity that can happen when queer people spend more time in nature and around less toxic people that only make them perpetuate their own toxicity. Yes, yes. I mean, I hope everyone was writing that down, because it's so true. And it's very relatable. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you came out, you said a wonderful thing, which was that your voice actually got deeper. 
Mm. <laughs> is that right? And that was part of you trying to sort of straighten up with coming out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I came out of the closet and going back further in the closet, one of the things I did to straight pass was to literally lower my voice in order to have a more straighter voice or masculine voice. And it's still a scar that I'm like actively undoing uh, day to day mm -hmm. to try to have more of like my actual voice. And I think there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, metaphor in that, like trying to find my true voice, uh, really mm -hmm. nowadays as a truly out queer person. But I think that like now what I'm finding is that like when you let your queerness uh, happen in your life, life is a continual coming out of closets every single day. And yes. yeah, I find myself surrounded by queer people who challenge me all the time to really think about the way I view the world and think about how I am not the problem that everyone else told me I was, but I just wasn't planted in supportive soil that ever supported my growth. And so I'm trying to blossom and I'm trying to be planted in some good soil and I'm trying to make some good soil for other people. You are blossoming, my friend. Mm. Um, but it's very, it's very funny you say, because actually like when you, you know, I've, I've had a version of that experience you're speaking about of understanding, like, you know, I tried to come out and be the person who would be acceptable, the most acceptable. I'd win gayness, you know, by being the most palatable gay man ever known to anyone. And now I sort of, I really don't, I, I really do try and not wear any kind of, uh, pre-thought idea of trying to present in a certain way to the extent that sometimes I play with it to be quite honest like if I'm on the tube you know like the subway and I need someone to get out my way I absolutely love doing this thing where if you go excuse me which is where my voice would normally go someone won't move but if you go excuse me people fucking jump and move out the way because the dominant culture is that mm -hmm. that's the voice you listen to. You know, like that's like that kind of thing is like it's authority and you do as it tells you. And I, I find that fascinating that we're trying to unpick what we've learned about stuff, but actually having the confidence to know that that's not you, despite what the dominant culture tells you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, that resonates yeah. a lot. One of the things that fascinated me most about Patty is that what made you choose drag to be the thing that helped you draw attention to the environment? Because it it's sort of square peg round hole yet makes so much sense yet has connected with so many people so fast. I think I really view drag as a playground where anything is possible, uh, where we can express gender, where we can express our ideas. And I think that while a lot of people might think that drag is a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, like if we look at the history of drag, drag has always been rooted in social justice movements. And so I think that it makes a lot of sense to translate that to the environmental justice space. And I think, yeah, I hold a lot of space for how main culture and pop culture does drag nowadays. But I think that there's a really big opportunity for all drag queens to have more activism and advocacy in their life. And that's not to say that they're not, because any trans person that does drag and mm. anyone who does drag is automatically being an activist and an advocate. But I just think that we can always encourage each other to do more and Skillshare. And as much as drag mm. queens, you know, share makeup tips, I don't know why we're not sharing, you know, <laughs> environmental justice or social justice, activism and yeah. organizing tips. And I think, yeah, if in a lot of ways, I'm just trying to remember the roots of the art form. And 
yeah, it, it's been a really beautiful journey uh, for me of really learning all the opportunity that I have and also a lot of the privilege that I have uh, because I am a straight passing, white, uh, male passing person in the world and I do drag. Um, so I almost have penultimate privilege in the space where I do my art form out on the trails because no one's going to fuck with a six foot three you know, quote unquote, fit male to their brain. Mm -hmm. But then also when I do drag, it's like the most uh, unsafe space for me to be in, you know? So I think that for me, it's been a big journey of realizing, okay, if I'm going to take on this work of, or this art form, really, I also take on the work and the responsibility of advocating for the place where I do my art form and for the people in it. And so for me, it's just, it's been a chance to learn from people that are so much smarter than me and join their energy to advocate for places we love. Right. And it doesn't mean that every day I'm like, uh, advocating for environmental justice. It doesn't mean that every day I'm advocating for social justice. It means that like, if I get the honor of doing this art form in these spaces, it's my responsibility and it's all of our responsibility to take better care of this planet and the people on it. Yes. So were you an outdoorsy person prior to Patty existing, but there was something in you that felt that queer people weren't invited into those spaces and therefore Patty was born? Yeah. The main narrative in the US is queer culture is for queer people when they come out to run to cities for acceptance, right? Because it's where queer Mm -hmm. community is. Uh, But what we don't really think about and see and really hear about are all the queer people that run to nature. And I think there's actually way more of us than we think. But because we're in rural spaces, we don't get the chance to be as visible. We don't get the chance to community organize as much um, to really feel the collective movement like we do in, in city environments. And I think that it's not like I'm down to change that narrative, but that narrative already like is happening. I just want to mm-hmm. really like show the beautiful, like rural and outdoor queer community and queer people that exist. You know, the queer people I've gotten to meet in science and technology that are doing research out in the middle of bumfuck. The, uh, the people that I <laughs> know in queer communities who are like the, holding down for for like the one queer space in their town. It's so beautiful mm. and so. I think for me and like my life before Patty was born, it's interesting. I, I think of it like as a kid, nature was my place. Nature was the place where I could go where no one was going to call me a faggot, where I could have my queer space to do my queer thing and dance to Cats the Musical in my backyard. It was my Love place. That. And like, it was my refuge. And then, you know, throughout high school and college, I did photography and I felt like I was in nature all the time, but I was always taking from nature, never giving anything to it. And so I feel like with Patty and in this chapter of my life, I just want to make sure I'm giving more than I'm taking. Um, And I Mm. think there's a lot of that that I learn from nature uh, that like you can have uh, symbiotic relationships where things mutually benefit. uh, And you can also have parasitic relationships where people take from nature where like something takes from another. And yeah, I always want to make sure that like symbiotic relationship is, is what's happening. Yeah. And how are you feeling on this here day? So this episode is going out the day before earth day. Love it. How are we doing on looking after our environment Mm. uh, right now? That's a really beautiful question. Uh, It's a really hard question. 
because I think we all know the answer to that, which is not enough. Yeah. But I think that like what I've really learned in my journey uh, with Patty, and I think we're not doing enough, but we can all do more than we think we can. You know, when I, Mm -hmm. before Patty started in my life, I thought that advocacy or activism or caring about the planet meant that you had to completely change careers or completely dedicate your life to social justice or environmental justice or completely do all these shifts. And really what I've learned through Patty is that like every movement needs an accountant. Every movement Mm -hmm. needs someone to bake cookies and bring cookies to a climate rally. Everyone has potential within their jobs and within their communities to get plugged in, you know, like really caring for the climate means using what you're good at, using your skills, using your privileges and your platforms and the different communities and fucking shit up for the betterment of the planet. You know, it really means doing the work you can that's available to you and probably only you, you know, like for Mm -hmm. people listening, I don't have access to the people you have access to, you know, I'm not at your holiday dinner uh, and can really open up, not change, but open up people's minds in your family who might be even more disconnected from this. Mm. We all have access to different people. We all have access to different work and it's just time for us to step up and do it. And I think what's really cool is that when you start taking little action and I'm talking like just 1% little daily actions, they can snowball into huge, huge, huge impact over time. Mm. Because again, it's not this like overnight, like, and now I'm suddenly like an advocate for planet earth. Like that's not what it's about. Like people on the outside see Patty and they're like, oh my gosh, this Shiro-esque thing that's whatever and doing all this work. Actually, the real story is, all of the little micro five minute, one hour things I do as win, not to be a leader mm-hmm. like Patty is, but to actively follow other people. And that that's its own form of leadership. And to truly just do what I can to connect different people, to make little daily impacts and changes, to vote with my dollar every day on the companies and mm-hmm. brands that I see that are caring for the planet versus aren't. We all have so many more things that we can do than we think to take action. And I think, yeah, the climate community has a lot of work to do, just like the queer community does, to not gatekeep people. Because what we're seeing is shame being the biggest motivator in the queer community and in the environmental community, right? I'm going to shame you because you use that plastic bag rather than, hey, use that plastic bag, but like, thank you so much for doing this other thing or what are the other opportunities we can do to care for our planet other than just like arguing over a fucking plastic bag, you know? So I think we need systems change around like rewriting shame. Mm -hmm. And I think that like all marginalized communities and underrepresented communities and social movements and environmental movements have a lot of work to do as well to say like enough's enough. We're going to build movements based off of like radical accountability, radical love, giving people a damn break And like realizing that like we're going to mess up and we're going to like pick ourselves up and try again and not feel like the minute we mess up, it's the social media guillotine and we're done, you know? So I think that like I I have a lot of perspectives, a lot of critiques, obviously, but I think at the end of the day, like the question really isn't like, are we doing enough? The question is like, like, what can we do now to make an impact? And Mm -hmm. 
when we look at the news writ large, right, it's always doom and gloom. But what's really interesting is if you, Chris, if any listener looks at like their daily life, how action and like actual goodness in the world happens is locally. So like the power of acting locally, the power of starting small, the power of making a difference, um, I think starts on a local level. Um, so I don't think we need to like act locally, act now, act collaboratively, because this shit is not fun if we do it alone, but it's so fun if we can collaborate with each other and form our little community of people that are going to give 1% more shits and mm. to see that snowball and to see what can happen. That's the end of part one of our lovely chat with Patty. Um, it's just still me. I have cracked into cookies that I bought from the American store. Husband's not up. I would implore you to listen to part two because it's more patty, it's more great. Go find it on the feed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.